How many of y'all are ready to go to the Word? Amen. All right, Matthew 13, 3 through 9 is where we've been. We've been on this for a few weeks, and I'm going to take it a little bit further today, just as I did last week. Matthew 13, 3 through 9. I'm going to read through this because there's some faces in here today that that I haven't seen in a while, and and it's good to see you. And so I want to um, do just a brief recap of this scripture, but then we're going to go further. Again, we have the podcast available now, so maybe you can go to last week's podcast on July 28th. You can look that one up. Um, It's called, What Kind of Ground Are You? And listen to that. That'll help you kind of know where we left off last week. But here we see in verse 3, Matthew 13, verse 3, Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Everybody say, sow the seed. Say it again, say, sow the seed. Now the sower here is is talking about um, anyone who is a, a preacher or Jesus himself, someone who is sowing the word. The seed is the word of God. Okay, so as we read through these next couple of verses, keep that in mind. Verse four, as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. Everybody say wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. Here we see this is it's described as stony places there in verse five. But it's, it's what that really is describing is a shallow ground. Everybody say shallow. So verse one, we see wayside, or the, the, the first ground, I should say, not verse one, but verse four, we see the first type of ground, which is wayside. Here in verse five, we see the second type of ground, which is shallow. Verse six, this shallow ground, once the seed would spring up, this, it says, but when the sun was up, they were scorched. In other words, the seedlings were scorched because they had no root and they withered away. Verse seven, and some fell among the thorns. Say thorny ground. And the thorns sprang up and choked out the seed. But verse eight, but others fell on good ground. Everybody say good ground. Fell on good ground and yielded a crop, yielded a return, yielded a harvest, yielded some results, yielded some stuff it didn't have before. It yielded some things that weren't there. See, I've seen a field that's empty, that has nothing before. A farmer puts seed. I've seen them when it was all weeds and then they till it up. I've seen it when it was just big blobs of dirt, big mounds of dirt. And then I've seen it a few months later after seed time and harvest, and I've seen the miles and miles of harvest. It says here that they sprang up and yielded a crop on good ground, some 100-fold, some 60, and some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Our principle has been this. God's word, when it's planted within us, produces results. Say that with me. Say, God's word planted within me produces results. We must not, we must not be affected by the stuff that steals the word. The devil wants to steal the word. When we come into the house of God, you can receive from the Lord at whatever level you determine. When I played sports, how many of y'all played sports growing up? I played sports, and I played um, group sports. I played team sports. Then I also played an individual sport. I don't know if this is necessarily playing, but I raced. I raced motocross. And what I found out when I did team sports is that the level of the team 
helped push us all to a certain level. So if the team was good and we all practiced and we all rehearsed and we all knew our parts and we played our part, then we might win the championship. But as a motocross racer, what I realized was is that it was up to me. I determined whether I won or not or whether I was competitive or not, whether I was in the running or whether I was at the back of the pack, whether I ended up on my bottom which happened a lot, by the way. I wrecked. I was a professional wrecker. I just wrecked all the time. I just, if y'all have ever seen a dirt bike rider, when they fall and they wreck and it looks like it really hurts, that was me. I was really good at it. I could actually fall and not get hurt. But I always like to call the ambulance over just to make a scene. You know what I mean? So the ambulance would come over at the race and they'd be like, who is that? Oh, it's JT again. He just, he toppled over in the corner back there. I wasn't very good in the beginning. And the reason I wasn't is because I just enjoyed riding. I didn't put in the time to race. I didn't know the techniques of racing. I didn't go to racing schools. I didn't have coaches. I didn't have techniques. I didn't know when you go into a corner how you're supposed to put your leg and when you're supposed to break and when you're supposed to throttle. I didn't know all those things in the beginning. I was terrible. All I knew how to do was fall down. We determine the level at which we receive the word. Just like I determine the level at which I was a racer and how good I was, we determine the level at which we receive the word. What type of ground are you? What kind of ground are you? What kind of ground do you want to be? What kind of ground are you today? And what kind of ground do you want to be? Are you a wayside Christian? Are you on the outside? Are you, are you hard? Are your ground hard? So hard, in fact, that when someone tries to plant a word in your life, when God tries to, he sends a good pastor in your life and he tries to speak into your life and he tries to speak to you and he says, hey, listen to me. I, I want to tell you what God's word showed me. I want to tell you about the revelation that I got. And they start speaking into your life and they start throwing some seed, but you're so hardened, you're so turned off you're so ah about it that when, when the seed goes, the devil just comes and snatches it away. Or are you thorny ground where you've got so much other stuff in your life that you enjoy church and you come in and you listen and you hear it, but then the lusts of the world, that's the way Jesus described it when he explained this parable. He said the lusts of the world will steal or choke out that seed. Or are you shallow Maybe you're shallow ground, where the ground that, that, that you're in, the word gets planted there, and you receive it, but it doesn't withstand the test of time, because you only receive it once, and you don't, you don't live it, you don't walk it, you don't speak it, you don't believe it, there's no revelation. Or are you good ground? Everybody say, good ground. We must not be affected by the stuff that steals the word. The word is so important. How many of y'all know the word is the most important thing you get from church? It's the most important thing you get. It's the most important thing you get. It's the most important thing I can give you as a pastor. We work hard and we've been, you heard me mention our, our volunteer team, which we call the V team. We've been, we've been working with our V team. We've been adding to our V team. We've been training people. We want to make sure that's a good experience here, that there's greeters at the door, that the place smells right, that it looks right, that the screen is right, that the, 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 the um, technology is right, that it sounds right. I worked on the sound this week. I worked on the sound this morning. I'm producing um, um, podcasts, and we're working on our social media. We want to revamp the social media. All that stuff is good. All that stuff is necessary, but it doesn't do anything compared to the Word. Doesn't do anything compared to the word. You know that you, you, you 
can actually, some people come to church just for the music. Here, our music team is growing. We're adding to our music team. The music team here is not best in the world, best first class, but the word is good and the word is solid. And I know that I study, I prepare, I come from a good, a good lineage of pastors and preachers who have put a lot into me. And so I know and believe in what I am preaching. The word is important. Say that with me, say the word is important. So what is between you and God? What's your relationship like? Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing. We know that this is the principle here in, 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 in a parable. He's telling us the same thing, that when you hear the word and you receive it, your faith grows, right? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, we also know in Hebrews 11, it tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please him. Everybody say that with me. Say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, God knows our hearts. He knows our innermost being. He knows all about us. And so he knows the condition that we're in and the, 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 the faith level that we're at. It's not the music. It's not the fellowship. It's not the community. It's not the photo booth in the lobby. It's not the atmosphere. As much as that matters, it's the word that matters the most. Now, Pastor Steve said something good last Sunday that I'm going to steal. He said, you know, all of that stuff, the music, the atmosphere, the greeters, all of that conditions the atmosphere. It conditions the atmosphere for the word to be received. So that's why it's so important. That's why we value it. That's why we put a valiant effort there. But I want to clarify that it's not in any way, shape, or form as important or does anything for you in comparison to God's word. The devil will work on you to steal the word. Let me, t- let me just tell you how he'll work on you. You know that it, your car can do fine all week long and it breaks down on Sunday. You know, you'll have, you'll be fine. You'll feel good all week long, but you get those sniffles on Saturday night, right? This is how the devil works. He'll work to steal the word. As a matter of fact, talking about volunteers and stuff, sometimes when you come to church, you can get offended at church. And the whole point of that is the devil causing strife and derision to be able to disrupt the word you receive. I mean, imagine if you sat in a sermon, it could be the best sermon you've ever heard, but if you sat there the whole time with your arms crossed, mad, because the pastor didn't speak to you when you came in. Can't believe you. I'm not going to sit here and listen to him. He can't even acknowledge me. And this is real stuff that happens. This is real stuff that happens. Maybe, maybe he didn't see you. Maybe he was focused. Maybe he... He literally didn't see you because the lights were not right or whatever. And you're all offended and you're letting the opportunity to hear the word and to gain a revelation from God pass you by. The devil will work to steal the word from your life. Don't let him. Don't let him. I want to talk to you this morning about a way that you can can keep the devil from stealing your word a way that you can work on the ground that you are. I want to use some other scripture that we see in God's word today to further expand upon where we've been and where we're going and to enlighten you further on how you can be good ground. Point to yourself and say, I want to be, say this one, let's speak in faith, say, I will be good ground. 
Now say it loud and proud with some conviction. Say, I will be good ground. The one difference that takes somebody from where you are to where God wants you to be is his word. It's his word. And so we must stay in his word. Abide. John 15, one through eight. John 15, one through eight. We're gonna look at the first verse and then I'm gonna jump down a little bit for the sake of time. So um, if you stay with me with the screens. Here we see in verse one, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus talking. He said, I am the true vine. My father, the vine dresser, meaning the one who tends to the vines, who, who works the vines. He would be today what we call an arborist, someone who trims the trees, who knows how to work the trees. If we look down at verse four, he tells us here, this is Jesus talking. He says, abide in me. I want y'all to say that with me. Say abide in me. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. See, there's no bearing of fruit unless you're connected to the source. There's no fruit that can be bared in your life unless you connect to the source. A tree, when it's chopped off, may have fruit on it at the point when it's chopped, but the source of life that came from the tree that supplied that, let's call it an apple tree, when you cut that apple branch off, there may be apples on it, but the apples will cease to grow at that point immediately because they've been cut off from the source. They've been severed from the source. See, the way plants work, the way vines or any plant like that, is that on the branch level, it supplies, it does photosynthesis and different stuff. It receives water and all those things, and it supplies to the trunk, goes down to the roots. The roots do stuff, do cation exchange. This is like real, I studied this in college. This is really what happens. There's all this stuff that happens under the ground and the roots. Cation exchange happens. They receive water and nutrients from the soil, and they produce back up through the bark and through the tree, and they supply to the branch. That's how a tree works. So he's using a perfect analogy here to say that it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. It's all about you abiding in me and me abiding in you. And if you want to be good ground, if you want to be good soil, if you want to receive the word, if you want to receive at the level where you can produce a hundredfold in your life, then when the word is planted, that you can receive it. And you've got to know how to abide in me and I in you. It, 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 this, is, this kind of blew my mind when I reread this and studied this. Abide in me. I want you to live in me. This is Jesus. He's saying, I want you to live, make your, make your home in me. That's what abide means. Make your house in me. Live in me. Reside in me. Stay put in me. But he also says, and I in you. Wait, what stays in me? His word. See, Jesus is the Word. John 1.1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word became God. Later on in the same chapter, it tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You live in me and keep my Word in you. You live in me and keep my words in you. Check this out. Verse 5. Go on a little bit further. He says, 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Say much fruit. Come and say it like you want some, some more fruit in your life, like you want some, some increase in your life. Say much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, verse six, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. What does that mean? That means that when you stop producing fruit, when you decide you wanna be disconnected, you stop producing. That there isn't much fruit anymore. The much fruit stops when you decide, um, I don't need God anymore. I don't need the connection anymore. I don't need the source anymore. I don't need that anymore. I got this. I'm going to be wise in my own eyes and I'm going to make my own decisions and I'm going to step out under the umbrella of covering I was under and just step out here on my own. And when I do, I disconnect myself from the source. In doing so, I cannot produce much fruit. Look at verse 7. He says, he goes on even further, but if you abide in me, how many times has he said abide in me? Abide in me and my words abide in you. Here he clarifies. Abide in me and what? My words. My words. The, the, the words that I gave you, the word that I am, it's got to be inside you. You can't just go through and just, yes, it has to be a mutual thing. Yes, you have to be in me. Yes, you have to be in my house. Yes, you have to be in prayer. Yes, you have to be in faith. Yes, you have to be in all those things. But in order for that to work, in order for this mutual exchange to happen, I also have to be in you. You gotta have your word in me. You gotta have a word. If you don't have a word, you got nothing because all you got is the one-way exchange. It's gotta also be in you. I got to have some word. I got to know when I'm going up to face a battle, when I'm going up to face something, when I'm going to maybe just getting up in the morning is your battle. Whatever it is, I got to have a word that says that the God is with me all the days of my life, that he will never leave me and never forsake me. And because I have that word in me, I can get up. I can get up from the bed. I can go about my day. I know that he's with me. He's going to walk with me. And I don't really want to go to work and deal with so-and-so that makes me feel the way that I always feel. I always feel this big and this little. But with God, I can face it. And with God, I can overcome it. And you know what else? I got another word. He says that he's got something better in store for me. That he wants to, he wants to take me to, to a, a better place. I don't have to stay where I am today. I can go where I need to be and where I'm going. I can produce much fruit. I feel like you guys are with me on this, that you're getting, that you got to have a word, that the word's got to be in you. I can't just, yes, I have to be in Jesus, but Jesus has got to be in me. I got to have a word. I got to have a word. Why? Why? Because when I do, I can ask whatever I desire and it'll be done. That works because when I put myself in Jesus, and Jesus' words in me, his word, his living word, his logos word, his rhema word, I put that in me. I'm not going to ask anything incorrectly. I'm not going to ask for a Lamborghini when I know that I really just need to be asking for something else. I'm not going to ask unnecessarily. You know, the Bible tells us in James that you have not because you ask not, or you have not because you ask incorrectly. You ask amiss. 
You can ask wrong. But not if you abide in Jesus and his words abide in you. I abide in Jesus. His words abide in me. I abide in Jesus. His words abide in me. I abide in Jesus. His words abide in me. I abide in Jesus. His words abide in me. Say that with me. Say, I abide in Jesus. His words abide in me. I love the end of this verse seven. It shall be done for you. You know, shall is the most profound description or, or way that you can say that will be done is to say shall. It's the most commanding way. Not just, uh, it might get done. It shall be done. That's what I'm telling you. When you have this cycle correctly, when you have it operating correctly, then you know that whatever you ask, you'll be in his will when you ask it. You'll be asking correctly. Your heart will be right. And it will be, shall be done. Faith comes by hearing. So when I have his words in me, I'm going to be full of faith. I'm going to have my faith in his words, not in what I see. And so when I ask something in faith, I know it's done. And so it has to be done because, go back to verse 7. It has to be done because I'm in faith because his words are in me and I'm in him. Are are y'all seeing this? Are you seeing how it works? Faith comes how? By hearing the word. So when I've got his words in me and planted in me, my faith will be at a level that when I, because Matthew and Mark, excuse me, Mark 11 tells us that when we ask, we have to believe when we ask. At that moment, I have to believe. That means I have to have faith at the moment I believe, or excuse me, at the moment I ask, I have to have faith that, that whatever I'm asking it's already done. Even when I don't see it, even when they tell me it can't be done, even when they tell me it won't be done, even when I've got the other declarations out there, my declaration is the word within me. And the word within me tells me it will be done. Verse eight, by this, my father is glorified. See, he gets glory when we bear much fruit. That you bear much fruit. What, what type of fruit? Obviously, this is a spiritual matter. But I, I believe wholeheartedly, and I've studied a lot of scripture along this, that when God talks about us bearing any things in our life, then I believe he's talking about our entire being. That our soul, our spirit, and our, our, our body be in health and prosper. I say this all the time. God is not a get-rich-quick scheme but I believe that he wants me to be blessed. I believe that wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. You can't talk me out of it. I believe that he wants me to have more than enough. His disciples, when they went out, they went out with nothing and never were in lack. Tell me that he doesn't want us to, he wants us to have more than enough. Now more than enough here might look more than enough or might look different for for somebody else or whatever, but whatever my more than enough is, that's what I know without a shadow of a doubt by faith, because I've got his word in me. I've got a revelation of it. He wants me to bear much fruit. Say that with me. Say, God wants me to bear much fruit. All right, let me break this down for you. You are a branch. You are supposed to bear fruit, much fruit. 
If you don't produce fruit, you disconnect yourself. Let me say it this way. If I don't produce fruit, I disconnect myself. It's up to me to produce fruit. It's up to me to stay connected to the source. It's up to me to till up my ground, to work on my garden, to receive the word, which tells me I'm going to produce fruit. It's up to me to produce fruit. It's up to me to keep myself in him and his words in me. It's up to me to keep myself in him and his words in me. When I do, I bear much fruit. I am a branch. I'm supposed to bear much fruit. If I don't, I disconnect myself and I can't produce fruit unless I'm connected. What does it mean to abide in his word? It's all about relationship. Here, Jesus defines the relationship. He defines it. He says, this is how our relationship is going to work. Let me break it down for you, boys. Let me tell you, this is how it's going to work. See, I'm the vine, and so uh, I'm the source. And your connection to God comes through me. And everything he is, I am, and he's going to help with the process. He's going to prune. He's going to point out things in your life that you need to fix, that you need to work on. He's going to point them out, and he's going to prune you. He's also going to make sure that only the branches that are here are the ones that are, that are, that are producing. What well, More importantly, he's going to make sure that when you're connected, you're producing. I don't, think, I don't think you got it. Let me say it again. God is looking over the vines. He put Jesus in place. Jesus said, I'm the source. You connect to me, put my words in you, and God will make sure that when you're connected, that you produce fruit. He is overlooking to make sure that when you put yourself in Jesus and his words in you, that you produce. I'm telling you, you need more. You need more. You need more grace. You need more mercy. You need more, more blessing. You need more direction. You need more, more, more provide. I need more, just more, Lord, I need more uh, um, peace in my life. I need more peace in my home. Lord, I need more. I need more of you in my life. I need more of your, the fruits of your spirit in my life. I need more joy. I don't want just happiness. I want some joy in my life. I need more joy in my life. Oh Lord, if I put myself in you and you put yourself in me and you, I put your words in me, I'm going to have more. Oh, I thought this church would be excited about this this morning. We're going to have more, more peace, more joy, more patience. Oh, praise the Lord. As long as you stay connected to me, this is him defining the relationship. As long as you stay connected, you will produce much fruit. It's about relationships. See, when I got married, my wife and I had to establish our relationship. I, don't, I didn't know her like I know her today. As a matter of fact, it was vastly different. Vastly different. If you've been married, you might remember that first day you wake up next to them. Now, this is different. Did you go through it? You start realizing things you didn't realize before. Stuff that wasn't there before. You know, I had to learn quickly that uh, I wasn't a bachelor anymore. That happened about the first week. See, what happened was we got married. What had happened was we got married in, in, in Christmas, around Christmas time, December 6th. And we did our honeymoon. We came back on the day of our church production, our church Christmas production. I am the church media director. That means that all the media 
for that event, for that day, for that Sunday, for the two services that day, I am directly responsible for. She's not on staff at the church yet. She actually, this is her first full day living in Florence. We had just gotten back from a honeymoon the night before. My friends had ransacked our house because they thought it was funny. Serious, true story. So we dealt with that. That was enough. Now we show up, do, do this Christmas production. It's totally different than the honeymoon. Totally different than we're dating. Now it's real life. And so that week I go back to work. I go back in. I go, things are trying, you know, we're trying to figure out what is the new normal. And I'm just going about my day. I'm just going, I'm just, you know, I'm, you know, one day I work late. I came home about, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, something like that. I noticed, you know, the atmosphere in this house isn't quite right. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, now this is new. How do I approach this? I start trying to talk to her a little bit. She ain't talking back. I'm trying to figure it out, you know. Finally, she said, were you going to tell me you work late? Uh, yeah. I, actually, let me check my text. I think I, oh, I guess I never sent it. I learned quickly, and she wasn't actually mad. She was making a point. My wife doesn't really get mad. She's actually pretty even keel. But she was making a point. She said, you know, you're not a bachelor anymore. And if you want this relationship to work, I need to know what's going on. I trust you. You're the leader of this household. I've submitted myself to you. We just said our vows last week. I didn't forget what they were, but here's the deal. I need to know what's going on. She was letting me know. She was establishing the relationship. In order for this to work, I'm fine with you working late. I'm fine with you, you know, if you got to do stuff like that. You, you know, we're doing ministry. And there's exceptions that happen all the time, but you've got to let me know. She was defining the relationship. Jesus defines the relationship right here. Jesus says, if you want to bear much fruit, you got to put yourself in me and me in you. Without him, I can do nothing. Without his word, I am nothing. First John 2, 6 says, he who says he abides in him ought himself to also, also to walk just as he walked. What this is saying is, is that we should try and strive to walk as Jesus walked. If he abides in us, we should look like Jesus looked. We should act like Jesus acted. I've got to wrap up. So I might continue on with this later, but I want to, I want to just ask you a simple question and look at one more scripture before we close. Ephesians 6 tells us about the armor of God. It tells us about the armor of God. The armor that we're to put on. You can take that verse down, Gage. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. He tells us, actually, let me just, I'm just going to briefly read the last part of it because we're out of time. It's Ephesians 6. The end of it says this. It's verses 10 through 18 if you want to look it up. He says to make sure that you carry with you the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want to ask you this morning, where's your sword? Where's your sword? Where's your sword? Because we see in multiple instances from, from God's word why we need his word, why we need to bear much fruit, why all this is important, why we need to have good ground. And then here he tells us that the word of God is a sword. I have never seen anyone go in battle without some sort of weapon. Captain America has always got a shield. David went out. He didn't like the sword, but he sure took his sling. He wasn't going out there to face Goliath without a weapon. 
Why are you going into battle every day? The Bible tells us that the, the, the battle that we face is not even a flesh and blood battle. It's a battle of principalities and spirits. There's a spiritual realm out there that's real. The devil is at work all around us all the time. And if you don't have the word in you, if you don't have the sword in your sheath ready to pull it out, that was a terrible sword sound. That was terrible. (laughs) She's even laughing at me. She's like, I don't know what, that was like a a suction cup sound. I don't know what kind of sword you got. It's like, I have kids, so I have to make like fun sounds like that, you know? Whatever sword sound you make, I'm not going to make a sound anymore. I'm just going to do the action. You got to take it, have it in your sheath, and ready to pull it out. You got to have it ready. Don't leave home without it. God wants you to bear much fruit. Stand up on your feet as we close. God wants you to bear much fruit. God wants you to bear much fruit. And in order for you to bear much fruit, in order for you to do what he's called you to do, in order for you to go from where you are to where you need to be, you've got to put yourself in Jesus and his word in you. You've got to put yourself in him and keep his words in you. And when you do, I tell you that you'll see your life go from wherever you might be today to places that you can't imagine, to places that you can only, he says that eye has not seen and ear has not heard. That what's in store for you that he wants to do for you by his word and by his spirit, you'll know. You'll see and you'll watch God do the miraculous in your life. If you've got something out of this word today, shout out amen.